Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. What up, y'all? It's Gravity here, bringing us into another Blurdy Massacre episode. Today, we're going to get a little personal, in a good way, you know. But before we get into our our juicy deets, let us intro our hosts. Hey, everyone. It's Brother Ghoulish, and I'm crawling back up from the tomb for some Blurdy Massacre. You can listen to me on anything with Brother Ghoulish in the title on podcast things here or on the altar tapes. Get it. Um, I am Sheree the Slayer. You can check me out here or A Nightmare on Fierce Street. Or you can also hear me on the altar tapes. And you can also read a lot of my shenanigans on Dread Central. And I have that one Fangoria piece, y'all. I'm a putter on a t-shirt. So yeah. (laughs) And my name is Zero Gravity. Internet hosts, you can watch me on Twitch if you feel like it, or uh, you could just listen to me over here or over there or wherever, you know, I'm at IDK Gravity, all that good stuff. All right, cool. So what's popping, guys? What's going down in the horror community right now? What's new? News? Anything? Let's go. Well, actually, I think I'm going to start. Let's just get this out of the way because I know Sheree is going to lift her eyebrows at me for this one because I know she's not a fan of children's horror, but um, I am, see, listeners, there she goes, she just lifted the eyebrows. We have a new show coming to Netflix. It's an animated show. Uh, It's supposed to come out this fall, and it's called Dead End Paranormal Park, and it looks really, really freaking cute. Um, It's coming from the production studio that did uh, The Amazing World of Gumball, um, which is an awesome, awesome show on Cartoon yes. Network, which personally I think is wasted on children. Um, that show is so, so good and so meta. Um, and I love all of those creators over there at Cartoon Network. So I know that they're going to spit out something good and spooky this time. Um, the show surrounds a group of friends who are, I think, working at an amusement park. Um And, of course, demonic elements are placed upon the amusement park, um, and then the characters will then have to deal with them. Um, But another thing that I really love 
so far about the show, even though I haven't seen it yet, is that they have really diverse characters. Um, I think the lead, whose name is Barney, is a trans character. We also have some supporting characters who are uh, in the neurodiverse world, which is really cool. And um, we love to see it, especially on the spooky side. It sounds right. Yeah, it does sound exciting. And I did not know you were a Gumball fan. Like, I, God, I like so Gumball, uh, Adventure Time, and the regular show. All of yeah, those are the regular favorite. show is chef's kiss chef's freaking kiss and i also like their their adult one that they did later i think it was on hbo um is it the one that has tiffany haddish voicing one of the characters or are you talking about a different show i think it's a different show i'm spacing on the name please hold um regular show let me google it because there is this one cartoon that um looks similar in the style of art and it surprised me. I mean, I never checked, but Tiffany Haddish, Haddish has such a signature voice that when I was watching the cartoon and I heard that the the two can and Birdie, yes. Oh no, not Tika and Birdie. Um, the show I'm talking about is called Close Enough. Close Enough. Oh, I haven't yeah. heard of it. And it's it's like a different universe, but like same exact art style. Um, and it covers like a couple, I think in, they're like in their late 20s, early 30s, they just had their first kid and they're just figuring it out. Um, and it's same humor as regular show, but um, a little more um, on the nose with the adult themes. Like the adult themes are there mm. in regular show also. They just kind of like code them so they can throw it on Cartoon Network. Um, but close enough, like really hits it on the nose. I suggest mm. it. I would probably check it out. Um, I don't know why, but the the episode that comes to mind is the LaDonna episode where they mixed uh, a Lady Gaga Madonna type character. Yeah, yeah. They did her. And she <laughs> drinks baby tears to stay young. It was, it, it was so intense. That sounds awesome. I think my favorite arc of a regular show is when they have like the media wars. Uh, oh, they yeah. get like stuck in that universe and they have to like call on the like the uh, the elders of media so there's like a typewriter and then like this old hero who's like vhs and then there's like the twins who are like dvd and blu-ray and they have to come in and like save the day from like streaming or whatever <laughs> oh man because streaming so is taking over so good anyway what else is new i'm seeing a piece of information for the first time that i'm here for Time has named Quinta Brunson as one of the 100 most influential people this year and about damn time. About mm, damn time. That part. As yeah. as they should. What but was your introduction to her? A large? Oh, he got a large? Oh, he got money. Okay. That was my introduction to Quinta Brunson. <laughs> that right there. I know y'all know what I'm talking about. Yes. <laughs> I, I I was a fool and I didn't know about her until a black lady sketch show because I don't spend enough time on YouTube for the right reasons. I spend all my time on YouTube and rabbit holes and stuff I've already seen. Um, and so, yeah, I missed her and I got to catch up. My introduction to her was, um, it might have been YouTube, but it could have also been on um, IG. But there was a video where she's at one of those um, authentic Italian restaurants where they come with the cheese and they start like dusting it on her and they tell her, you know, just say when. And so he's going and it cuts to her just staring at him intensely. 
And he's like, just, just say when. And then, you know, she's staring at him and he tries to say it again. She cuts him off. I'll tell you when I have enough. And I was hooked ever since. That. It's something really off with her in the best way possible. I love her. She's hilarious. She gets me. She gets me. Because we've all been to, to watch there. Uh, there's a clip where she's talking about um, the time where, was it David Blaine? I think it was David Blaine. And she's talking about how David Blaine did magic to her without her consent because she's I like really not her. a fan of magic. <laughs> <laughs> And that she feels like she's being harassed by this man because, like, whatever. It, it was hysterical. She was definitely petrified by magic that day. Um, some award yeah. show or something. But mm. I just I just also love that she's she's taking no shit. I was watching somebody interview her a couple months ago, maybe, maybe on Instagram. I don't know. It's one of those like Hollywood table things where they have somebody famous and somebody else famous. And the person who I forgot already was like, so what do you feel about people thinking that like any sort of black creator needs to be talking about certain things and certain situations? What do you, what, how do you feel about that? And to paraphrase, she was just like, I, I want to write fart jokes and have fun. Why do whatever I have to write something needs to be about <laughs> trauma. I don't want to do trauma. We have enough trauma. I want to have fun. That's what I'm here for to make people laugh. Mm -hmm. Why can't that be enough? And that, right, that resonated with me because, like, when I was in grad school, granted, it was an awful grad school, <laughs> I was always being made to feel like my stories weren't worth shit because I was trying to be funny and write about basic black girls because that's who I am. Um, and they always wanted the trauma. Uh, and I was like, I don't want to write the trauma. There's your trauma elsewhere. <laughs> and so, like, it was just, it was so validating to hear somebody who's, like, successful be like, no, I'm a funny bitch. <laughs> you want that? <laughs> Don't be there. HBO got you. What? Some people were giving her shit on Twitter because um, oh. they wanted her to uh, make a comment on school shootings in Abbott Elementary. It ain't oh, I remember. Like this is a comedy. Yeah. Like why? I took screenshots because when she said that, I was like, first off, America's awful, and I was like, I want to know some of these names just in case anybody I need to keep an eye out for later in life. <laughs> Because like, how dare you run to somebody who writes a comedy and works with children? And like, they've talked about how these kids think that this is kind of a real school sometimes. <laughs> and you want them to traumatize these children with a school shooting no. because it's America and you want to see it on your show. Yeah, that's what I like about the, the direction that this conversation took. It, it's about black joy, essentially. And that's what I want to see more of in the media. And it's really sad that they're putting pressure on Quinto to do this when they need to put that type of pressure on the politicians to change gun policies. Yeah, like, listen, you're going to run down on Quinta, but she's going to do her and get her back and celebrate Black joy. You need to get into the right places and talk about this policy. Listen, Quinta can't change my student loans. You know who can? Yeah. <laughs> and who promised to? Let me stop. I'm sorry. Like, listen... Listen, take that energy to nail it. Tell them, let me go. Leave mm -hmm. <laughs> alone. So this is definitely going to be me like super nerding out for a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. But there's this new video game coming called Scorn. Um, and a couple days ago at the Xbox and Bethesda showcase um, that was live, we finally got a release date for it. Um, survival horror game people, please just Google Scorn the game. Um, it's an entire survival horror that has absolutely sickening imagery, and it's inspired by the artwork of H.R. Geiger, 
um, which listeners, if you did not know, he's the man who provided imagery for Alien. He created the Xenomorph back in the 70s. Um, and he has an absolutely bonkers art style that's very, um, it's very sensual and kind of like uh, machinery mixed with biology. And it's also very sexy and very powerful. Um, the first images of the Xenomorph were actually like very attractive. Um, so all those people on TikTok that I see talking about Xenomorph can get it. Like this, this is where it comes from. Um, and so we have a release date now from the Xbox and Bethesda event of October 21st. So right on time for Halloween. It looks disgusting. I actually, as I was reacting to the showcase on Twitter, I retweeted this little gif because it, it literally looked like uh, Crimes of the Future, the game. If anyone out there has seen Crimes of the Future, uh, the yes. new Cronenberg joint, that's kind of a similar feel of the art style of this new game, Scorn. I have no idea of the lore or the story behind it. I just mm -hmm. see H.R. Geiger and I go because it looks freaking insane. Um, so there's that. Please watch the trailer. I'll probably make a post about it later. You can find it on my Instagram. Um, but besides that, um, dun -dun -dun -dun, at the Capcom showcase, a little bit before that, we finally have some uh, some news regarding Resident Evil 4. So Resident Evil 4 is finally getting remade. Holla fucking Luyah. Yes. Um, it's going to come, I think, uh, March 2023. So March of next year, which will take a little bit of time. Uh, I'm honestly anticipating that date to be pushed back a little later just because... Resident Evil 4 is a masterpiece and I know they're going to want to uh, remaster it to the level of uh, the other remasters that we've had before. Um, I'm honestly just stoked to see another remastered version of our Lord and Savior Ada Wong um, <laughs> in the teaser that they dropped. Um, we have Ada Wong in like a turtleneck and like the turtleneck honestly just like fucking sent me. <laughs> like, it's it's some it's there's some kind of phenomenon with like you know there's this obsession with like thigh high like socks it's like mm -hmm. kind of turtlenecks is kind of giving the same sensation so and it was like a point three second Ada Wong and a turtleneck it was just red and I just knew I was just like oh my god my loins um, but yeah thank God thank God Resident Evil Four remake is coming. And now uh, for all of our VR people out there, we'll be able to play Resident Evil 8 in VR also coming soon, um, which is another good uh, patch of good news for all of our horny Capcom people, because now Lady Dimitrescu will literally be able to pick you up in VR. So okay. cheers to that, all you perverts <laughs> out there. <laughs> okay, I'm done. That's my video game news for this week. <laughs> Well, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I I live Resident Evil. I've fallen off the wagon of video games just because money and time. <laughs> but I still live for Resident Evil, and I'm always collecting the, the like numbers and the remakes. So when I do get to get back in there, girl, gonna lose her shit. Girl, go, I'm not gonna talk to people for a year. I'm gonna be like, excuse you, I'm in Resident Evil land. What? <laughs> I'm afraid to see Resident Evil in VR. I can't handle it like as is. Yo, it's 2D. different. It's it's really different. I've played um, Resident Evil Seven in VR, maybe like forty minutes of it before it even gets like really scary, and it's different. I've played through Resident Evil Seven um, twice now, and when I played it in VR, I was like, "Nah, this, <laughs> nah." <laughs> I want it. 
I want I don't want the big spider, but like everything else I'm fine with. Like the oh zombies, the zombie dogs. We could do all that. Wesker. Nah, I'm like, come on, sister boy. That bug lady when she starts shitting out those mosquito nests. Not oh her. My God, I'm itchy. Any of the itchy. giant bugs, I'd like to tap out. But everything else I'm here for. Yeah. Because I like literally, can you imagine called Veronica VR? Oh no. No, 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 no. <laughs> I am I'm straight on that. <laughs> Although we we are gonna be getting giant bugs in the new Resident Evil live action series that's coming to Netflix next month. Oh, cool. Yeah, um, starring Lance Reddick. Lance Reddick is going to be playing Albert Wesker. And, I like this. Yeah, honestly, damn good casting. Like, hats off to that fucking casting. So it's uh, it's not based off of any um, uh, source material from the games. It's it's kind of a reimagining a little bit in the future. Um, mm. And it, it covers um, Wesker and his two daughters um, kind of dealing with the... Uh, explosive aftermath of what happened to umbrella corp and raccoon city like years afterwards mm-hmm. um and i i reacted to the trailer you can watch it on land party's youtube channel or there's a little clip on my instagram but it's giving black girl magic it's giving bloody uh and there was lots of bugs in that trailer lots oh. lots of oversized bugs so oh, um yay <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for everything but the bugs like can i get a bug light edit it's like just took that up for me real quick yeah, <laughs> just put the little like blur over it. <laughs> I'm only here for Lance Reddick. <laughs> what else? Anything else, y'all? Yes. Um, so as y'all know, P Valley started its second season uh, pretty recently on Stars, and the second episode for the season actually brought the horror genre in and they also did some african spirituality um which was pretty cool do y'all watch pre-valley before i tell you about the scene i do not i I haven't seen any of this season because i was out of town and so i gotta catch up okay so i'll be careful with how much i say because i don't want to spoil it for you then but um just know that the character diamond who's played by tyler lepley He's actually revealed to be a spiritual healer and he's using crystals in a lot of um practices that would resemble hoodoo essentially and it was very well done but even aside from that scene there's some nods to some other horror movies in that entire episode so because of the setting and where it is it actually gave like a southern gothic kind of vibe to the aesthetics and there were no nods to slavery in any of this so i i just wanted to give like a huge like you know, round of applause to P-Valley for this most recent episode. It was really cool. See, you assholes, it can be done. Listen, <laughs> it's possible. I, I'm happy they're embracing horror because, like, I, I watched the first season, mm-hmm. but I wasn't in love with the first season. I was more in love with the stunts, which AJ from D180 told me that the actors have to learn how to work the poles like that. That's not a stunt double. And I'm like, excuse you? That's even what? more impressive. Wow. Right? I'm like, what kind of training is this? But they have stunt doubles for their stuff not on the poles. I'm like, that's less dangerous. Like, <laughs> like I don't mind falling on my face, but like me hitting my heels up on the ceiling and shaking it with one hand, that, that's a little bit more spicy. And I would like my stunt double for that. What? <laughs> I think that's what took me off guard about P-Valley because those scenes are actually very cinematic and they're very beautiful and visually stunning. And to know that on top of that, those actors are actually doing that, that's insane. I, I had assumed it was all stunt doubles. I had assumed yeah. it was all stunt doubles. Because, like, if you, when you see it, 
when you see it and you hear it, you're like, no, this ain't no acting school. You don't learn this <laughs> in your acting one-on-one. This, nah, no, 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 no. Um, so I'm still shook it because that's new information for me. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was just the tea on P Valley. I mean, my favorite part of P Valley, just generally speaking, was just Uncle Clifford, just calling it what it was, because yeah. this is a character who literally is allowed to have joy and doesn't have a storyline that's made about you know the world being against him because he is gay. You know, he gets respect because he demands it. Um, yes. you get to see him actually have like relationships with other men of color. Um, many of which are very attractive. And I just love the handling of the storyline uh, for him. He's my favorite part because I do feel like, and I'm saying this with all my love because I love to see black people get in a bag, especially black playwrights yeah. here crossing over to TV. But I do feel like sometimes the women on that show are failed because they become stereotypes, which mm-hmm. is sad because it's supposed to be their world. So why are they just like, he he beats me and this is the baby you need to watch while I go dance for our rent. And I'm like, we could have another story. Like, <laughs> we could have another story. And like, our lead is like, we need somebody to look like Cardi B, put a tattoo on her. And I'm like, but what else about her? And they're like, she has a past. And I'm like, but what else? And they're like, she has a past, it's Cardi B. And so <laughs> I've been there for Uncle Clifford and the stunts on the polls. And so I'm, I'm happy to find in a third thing and hoping that helps them figure out what they need to be doing to like keep it spicy and right. Yeah, and they need to cut the colorism, too, because while you're on that tip, the dynamics between Mercedes and the main girl, who I can't even think of, um, just feels very colorist. Like, Mercedes is that bitch. She is. If she was the lead, I would have less problems, because, like, her story, again, her story is definitely, we could have a happier story for her somewhere, because it's all, like, life throwing elbows at her, because, Mm -hmm. like, she had to, like, give up her daughter because she needed to dance to support the daughter, and all this other like trifling shit, but also she's the best dancer in the town. And like, she is a badass bitch. She's taking these other bitches under her wings and she's like helping them figure out what they need to be doing. And I'm just like, why can't we just have her be the lead? Cause again, we have this not Cardi B knockoff um, and we're <laughs> supposed to be invested in her cause she's CW Brown. And I'm like, that's not it. I don't mm-hmm. care. I'm mm-hmm. CW Brown. Do I, I mean, I should have a show? No. Like <laughs> CW Brown. It's it's immediately it's like, relatable too. You know exactly what mm-hmm. you mean by that. As soon as you say it, that yeah. is, I'm putting that one in my pocket right. Now. <laughs> <laughs> C.W. Brown. <laughs> it's true. It's so it true. It is That's hilarious. All right, let's let's intro our topic, shall we, Shrey? Mm-hmm. Yeah, them sirens are like, it's your turn to talk. Um. <laughs> <clears throat> so today's topic comes from <clears throat> Anthony Jerome M. on Twitter. Um, you you might know Anthony um, from the shrimp videos on TikTok. But we asked y'all what y'all thought our topic was, and Anthony's guest was so good we stole it. Um, so <laughs> thanks, Anthony. Love you. Um, hope you have some shrimp today. Um, and our topic today is our individual horror journeys and the friends we made along the way. Oh, this is perfect, right? Right, I'm here for this. This is some good, wholesome stuff. Yeah, it is. It is, and y'all really should watch his shrimp videos. They're they're very therapeutic. I just want to get out the way. Did you just say shrimp? I mean, I wasn't gonna like. Mm -hmm. He got a shrimp TikTok. He don't know it yet, but it's what it is. Shrimp talk. Shrimp talk. 
Yeah. So, and he, the way he does it, it's an art. Cause like when I order it, I just have to bag like a little animal. But like Anthony is like, let me peel the things and like get the things ready and like reheat it and put it in a dish. Um, and it's on my camera. And I'm just like a little troll in a cave, <laughs> hunting it out with her hands in the bag. <laughs> and people are like, oh. And Louise is like, oh. <laughs> and that's yeah. why I don't have shrimp talk. Um. <laughs> You know what? He could do like something like when he gets on TikTok lives, like shrimp talk, like you know, <laughs> and then yeah. just like talk about like stuff that's going on in the world while eating shrimp. I'd pull up for that. Yo, you Listen. know what? I know you're listening, Anthony. You better write this shit down right now. Listen. Listen. Um, and in the meantime, he could like, start doing something like with that um one of my hero confessional, like when he don't like the movie, because they're doing like, a certain decade. I think yeah. it's the 70s. Am I wrong? 70s or 80s? I, I don't pay attention in case y'all don't notice. Um, but during the <laughs> 70s and 80s, this is <laughs> that's why Anthony's there. And so maybe when Anthony doesn't like the movie, it could just be like some slurping. Um, <laughs> just like I'd rather eat this shrimp than find something nice to say about this bullshit. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Oh, I'm just man. I'm just sharing. I don't know what you and Miguel want to get into. Uh, <laughs> so let's start by um getting into a little bit of real talk y'all know we do quick little layovers and we're going to talk about some topics that are loosely related to the main who wants to start Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um so star wars fans recall being racist again <laughs> uh this happens every other hour but still it's always something we should talk about and we have this like new person. On, I don't watch all the Star Wars things. Yeah. I've never seen one. Um, but never. I be- never. Oh, My wow. sister put an episode on in front of me last week, and I I was in the room, and so technically <laughs> I think I saw it, but I don't know what happened. <laughs> Not um, you leaving your body. That's hilarious. I, I was like, I'm gonna visit Stephen Ewan and see what he's doing today. <laughs> your body was here, but your spirit was in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> I can relate. There's some there's some stuff that takes me out like that too. So I get it. Right. I don't. I have a wall. It's like when you said you came here. <laughs> like you said you, you could. Sensei. Yes, okay. Like, I can't hear Star Wars. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I see them moving their lips. Um, but I. So anyway, <clears throat> this actor. And again, I made this note weeks ago, and I was a different person. But I think this actor's name is Moses Ingram. Um, she had to take to Insta to just sort of be like, hey, I'm not that bitch. I'm giving y'all grace right now, <laughs> but also <laughs> I'm on this new Star Wars show. Are you at home hating? Uh, <laughs> what do you really want to do about it? <laughs> and so like the people who run the Star Wars like, accounts had to be like, hey, y'all, um, we're a sci-fi show. Sci-fi shows are supposed to be inclusive. Is that your saber? No, that's your window. <laughs> No, Knox is peeking out the window like an old man. I was like, how dare you bring props? I wasn't ready. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, and I was like, that's cool that y'all would do that. But also, are you banning people who are too racist? Um, what are you doing in your other endeavors? Are you just being like lip service? Because again, Star Wars fandom, like any other fandom, is a hotbed of racists who feel like they get to say whatever they want and do whatever they want. And they've never been corrected. And that's why they're so bold and so not beautiful right now. That part. 
and I double checked. It definitely is Moses Ingram. And Thank you. I actually, you're welcome. I remember when this happened because, like you said, she warned people, like, listen, y'all can go ahead and handle it because I'm not the one. And you know, she has the energy of somebody who's about to air and clear everything out if she didn't have contractual obligations. Listen. The receipt keeper in me sees the receipt keeper in her. None of these people are safe. <laughs> real recognizes real. Awakens. Listen, like I, I don't watch the Star Wars, but my sister loves her and wants to like be her for Halloween and start to like put together pieces and stuff. And she's a Star Wars nerd. I don't know where it came from. Um, because when we were kids, we were both like disco space. But she's like this one and this one and that one in this order. And I'm like, I didn't come here for algebra. I'm happy you're happy. <laughs> not algebra. <laughs> I'm going to sleep. <laughs> yeah, it's not my gospel either. My father's a huge Star Wars person, and I've seen all of them um, because Emilio likes them too. Uh, so I can keep up a little bit. Like I understand the universe and like the general arcs and themes, but it's it's not my it's not my gospel either. It doesn't have enough um, psychological thrillers, or it doesn't have enough slashers, or you know, people getting cut the fuck up or gutted. You know, if it had some of that, maybe. Yeah, I mean, there's the one. Um, what was uh, um, where? Uh, fuck, loose. I mean, I've seen them all just once. Yeah, me once too. Over. Um, I don't remember the name of the creature having to be cut open and then sleep. Inside. Oh, I don't remember the name of it when oh. they had to stay warm on indoor. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. I can't think That's of the name gross. of it yet. That's savage. That's like me and my boiling bag shrimp. That's savage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Imagine <laughs> like having to cut open the the boiling bag of shrimp and then mm. just like sit inside of it to sleep so you Ooh. don't freeze at night. Yeah, there is that that one time, you know. <laughs> but, but that's it. Other than that, I like. Uh, I, I have friends in the fandom who I salute because mm -hmm. again, it's a very dangerous fandom to be part of. Mm. Um, I don't know if you listeners out there remember my friend Avery. Um, who I interviewed for Dread Central's cosplay panel during Black History Month, but he is deep in the fandom and he's just doing the Lord's work out here on Twitter. I don't know why. Yeah. It literally never ends with Star Wars. Um, yeah, but never really a fan myself either. Uh, my dad was a Trekkie growing up, so I, mm -hmm. I think I know more about Star Trek than I do Star Wars. Mm -hmm. um, it, uh, and also, Star Trek had the first interracial kiss on television, which oh, is really fucking cool so right. there's that but besides all that i'm i'm gonna be over here in my own fandom <laughs> it, i'm not saying hard fart fandom does not have problems because it definitely has its own Ooh. but yeah. <laughs> slightly different like we grew up in a house where star trek was always on so i hated it mm. but also seeing like whoopi gobert and lavar burden in there it, it made it less awful because i'm like okay we got black people in these newer ones and there were black people in the older ones too whose names i just don't remember because i was like two months old um mm -hmm. but i remember being like that's a black woman in space we make it into space <laughs> you know why you know why that is because the difference between star trek and star wars is star wars is a dystopia and Star Trek is a utopia. And in a yep. utopia, we have diversity. Hell yep. Damn, Zero. Are you a Trekkie or are you at war? Answer the question for your next episode. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you put that bug in my head. Because my father, he liked Star Trek and Star Wars. Like, he, mm -hmm. he's just generally attracted to, like, those type of movies and, and things. But... Damn, I can't wait to talk to him about this because I normally when he gets on his like sticks, I, I don't have nothing to offer. I'm like, okay. Mm. Now you got I just something. like 
I like the pageantry of a lot of this stuff. Like, I love the outfits. I know it sounds very like, okay, why would you gravitate to this? But no, the theatricality of like Star Trek and Star Wars have always been appreciated to me. Yeah, it, it's 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 a topic. It's yeah. a big topic because, you know, on the surface, like non-blurdy and nerdy people will just be like, oh, it's just the same thing. They just change the second word. But it's mm-hmm. they're actually complete opposites. Yeah. Like it, it's the whole theme, like, and you can tell in um, the builds of the ships, like all the all of the uh, the spaceships in Star Wars are like decrepit and falling yeah. apart, and and builds from parts of other ships, and then you look at Star Trek, and everything is smooth and seamless and even. Uh, uh, the costuming is just very tight and you know presentable, and then over yes. Star Wars, we got like you know, cloth everywhere and just like, it's almost like DIY type stuff because the dystopia versus utopia is a huge freaking jump. Obviously you have to be a nerd to notice these things, (laughs) (laughs) but it's apparent. I just, I, I don't really do, I don't really do the Star Wars as I keep saying, because I saw, I saw the Lion King, so I would do it in space from the 70s. Um, like I, I've always fucked with Darth Vader, and I feel it's because he's such a pageant queen. Like, listen, listen. Whenever they're talking about how like villains are queer coded, I'm like Darth Vader, and they're like, no, no, I'm like, no, no. Mama, that cape. That cape. He got backup dancers. He does. He does have backup dancers. They can't shoot, but they can move on cue. And I'm like, really, really. Um, and he shows up with drama because he could have just been like, let's shoot a bunch of people. But he's like, I got reveals. I'm your father, Luke. And Luke's like, no, no. What? Right? Drama. What? Y'all call it a cooling system because of you know his body burns. I call it a diva fan. So I have to to agree. Right? Because he don't want to be hot. He's like, you know, I'm not going to do dance and sweat. That's what my dancers are going to do. I'm a queen, bitch. And he got his own Imperial March. Even I know that. I'm going to see the movie. It's like, and then he like walks out. I feel like, okay, peasants. What? <laughs> now it Welcome makes my sense movie. why Family Guy made Stewie Darth Vader in, in the parody. Mm-hmm. It now it follows. They definitely noticed the queen in thine. Yep. Listen, listen. He thought he was Beyonce for Beyonce. And I was like, no. Darth, Darth. <laughs> <laughs> Collect yourself. That diva gene is strong. Listen. <laughs> All right. Let me find out Darth's uh, voguing name is Devo. Like on Stop. Oh my God. <laughs> I live. <laughs> Somebody out there has done Darth Vader drag. I know it. Oh yeah, like I Darth Vader's it. doing it. So I'm not <laughs> have y'all seen Voldemort lady drag? Oh my lady god, lady? so have I. And every time I see it, it's phenomenal. <laughs> it's so good. See, you know what? Voldemort also has that gene, the diva gene. Was also yeah. listen, listen. Yeah. <laughs> Showed up in a robe with bad nose job. Again, not the hmm. bad nose job. <laughs> like, tell me Voldemort ain't RuPaul. You tell me. <laughs> I'm screaming. He probably started as a club kid, you know, right. like, at, you know, maybe like the House of Yes, did a lot of coke mm-hmm. back in the day. And had a right. thing, you know, had too much of a good time. Right? No, and he's mad at this young generation because he still wants his t- time in the spotlight. He's like, I'm going to get you, Harry. I'm going to get you after this ball. <laughs> mm. 
you can't tell me his robe wasn't made out of taffeta. Like, <laughs> there's a thesis here. There's Let's a thesis do it. here. This is the new show. This is the new show idea this week. Yeah, we're gonna have everything. <laughs> we're gonna have Voldemort and Darth Vader as two retiring drag queens who are roommates. <gasps> That's good. Okay, that could never happen. Just because copyright, no fucking way. We could like, change some names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a fandom series. Listen, I think this is it. The best ideas on this fucking show. You could actually pitch that to SNL. I think they could. I oh my could god, pull some strings to make it happen. That's actually a really funny no, idea. No, no, no. But you know who would eat it up? Who? A black lady sketch show. Yes. Yeah, this is my sample. This, I'm gonna be like, hey, yo, Robin. I, don't, I know you don't know me, but on my podcast, love you. Um, here's a little skit. Uh-huh. How you feeling about it? And she's oh, gonna be like, who are you? Fucking <laughs> destroy that. Are you kidding? Because the the um Quinta plays Harry Potter in the skit. Yeah, at the ball. Oh my god! And can you imagine all the evil villains coming through at the ball and just like, oh my god! <laughs> I need to see it. No, I can see Bob the drag queen now. I'll be like, here yes. comes Darth Vader with his rubber boots again. We talking about the rubber boots. <laughs> he could even keep the character that he's been using for the balls for Black Lady Sketch. Uh-huh. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's so good. And then maybe at the end of the skit, it's revealed that he's um evil or something because like he feels a burn. He pulls it up. And it's like the dark mark on his arm or something. <laughs> Give me my tens. Give me my tens. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm here for this. Oh, oh my, my god. god, that is so good. <laughs> oh yes. Um. Wait. Well, what is the next piece of tea? Because uh, I can do mine if y'all want. Do yours. I'll do this one last. Because mine is about Miss Evie Oddly. Let's go. Um, yes. Yes. And, queen. You know. Look. Anytime weird and our culture collide, I just manifest, and Evie is both of those things. Um, as y'all know, she's in the new RuPaul's All Stars um, Legends. Uh, what what is the real name of the episode uh, of the, the season? It, it, I don't realize All Stars All Star All Stars winner. I'm a, I'm gonna Google you. You keep doing you. I got you. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> she's one of the uh, contestants on there. And one of the real cool things that RuPaul surprises with this season is that the girls don't go home. So as a result, you get to actually see some of your favorite winners do literally every single fucking challenge. And in the most recent one, she was doing a skit about like how she loves to fail. But then it just started to kind of have like a lot of heft and a lot of meaning. And Evie did a speech on it and it was supposed to be really funny, but it actually was like deep as fuck because the joke that she made was, okay, yeah, y'all love that lip sync. But at the bottom end of that was the worst Whoopi Goldberg impersonation of all time. (laughs) Relatable content. <laughs> she did Whoopi dirty. <laughs> no, no, I I looked at that Whoopi go up. I'm like, my girl's going on tonight. And then the neck do about it. <laughs> and then she was like, I'm a lip sync bitch. I'm like, I forgot, yes, I forgot you got no skeleton. Let's do this. <laughs> no skeleton. She literally, like, she's a literal contortionist. Literal. No, I, whenever Evie Ali comes out to lip sync, I know that this show is not charging people enough. And she is not paid enough hmm. because, like, she is circus de- Olay every day. Um, she's like, "Oh, it hurt today, but I did it." And I'm like, "You upside down? What? What hurt specifically? How'd you get here?" <laughs> she said, "Fuck bones." Listen, I ain't going home. I love her boogeyman in this season. Where we're I really did too. Bones. Sorry. 
She don't need no bones. She's like, I'm gonna take all y'all with no bones. And she did. She did she won, <laughs> she won a whole real season of RuPaul's drag race with no bones. Mm-hmm. And then put out box. She's like, and here's some videos. Hype. And I'm like, yeah, bitch, I'm hype. <laughs> what you doing? I don't know what it is. Then look at her. What? You is that girl. <laughs> I but, just, yeah, she won my face. But for everyone listening, like definitely go and look up those speeches. Cause not just hers. I feel like a lot of the girls did a de- like a, a really great job imbuing comedy um and some self-deprecating humor around like serious issues to show like their growth. And how above they are things. And I like seeing that just splash in, in cultural yeah. moments. You know, I don't want to let that stuff slide. I want to, you know, bring it up. I, my faves definitely turned it out again. Because I went into the season knowing that, like, Evie, Shay, and Jinx are my faves. And mm-hmm. they can't all win. But I want to hold on to them as much as possible. <laughs> and I think each of them did something specific <laughs> to who they are. <laughs> to remind you who they are. Yep. While also talking about some trauma, but also making you laugh. Like every time Jinx hit the desk, was like, because <laughs> I was hit by a car. I was like, she ain't healed yet, but it's funny. <laughs> oh, she's definitely not healed. And Rue didn't give a fuck. Rue going to reveal during the damn judging, talking about some. Is this a bad time to let you know, Jinx, that I was the one driving the car? I'm oh like, my damn, God. It, bro. <laughs> did you, damn it. Did you? Did you see? Um. Oh my God. Did you see Trixie's Instagram? No. Trixie put up a picture and was like, this was the last image Ruth saw before he hit Jinx. And it's like her in the back looking like, <laughs> like yellow eyes and shit. Is this in the back of the car? This feels like a little bit too far for me, but I don't know. I haven't seen, so maybe it's I'm perfect. wrong. The way I'm no, going to this perfect. page right now. Like, <laughs> Jinx is a dark sense of humor and like Trixie is a dark sense of humor. And so I'm sure Jinx saw and cackled and then like, wait, Tracy, like Tracy Mattel, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, she's fucked up. Yeah, no, like <laughs> she's me, which I think is why I'm drawn to her because like, cause she's like, you know what I'm going to say? Some fucked up shit about how I hate kids and we're all going to laugh about it. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. All right, I guess I'll use this last piece just to like segue into our topic. Um, not really tea, just like water is wet. I think for the most part, all of our listeners know this, but being black and queer on the internet is really hard. Um, especially at, well, for everyone really, but especially as a creator, putting yourself, um, you're out, out there, out there and your craft out there. Um, so not only are you being judged on fandom, which is, extremely fucking judgy you're also being judged on your sexual orientation or whatever marginalized group that you come from which fucking sucks but that's how the society works um yeah which i think makes it a little bit more special for us and the success that we've had so far because i think all of us have had to be dragged through the mud and Mm -hmm. um think about and maybe cry about oftentimes and you know, be happy about, be sad about. It's just kind of uh, an extra wave that creators will have to deal with, especially on the internet, um, which is one of the most savage places that you can ever exist. Like only second to Mordor, I feel like that's just it. So yeah, who wants to start? Let's talk about us. Mm, I don't know. Nobody wants to talk about themselves. I, I can oh, we're do all just it. so incredibly humble, I, right? <laughs> this is the 
first time we're all meek like church church mice. Like yeah. we're never usually it's like I'll do it. <laughs> I didn't I didn't want to just like run out because it was like my story's been the same since I started and so people heard it. And so I didn't want to be like, let's open with this boring one. Um but we can do that when you get y'all drinks together. Um, oh my god. <laughs> uh so yeah, no, I I just grew up watching it. It was always on. Um I did not have a favorite childhood, but I feel like when Halloween rolled around and we would binge these horror movies and see so you stay up the longest to win like the pot of candy at the end, like those are my happiest memories because no matter how shitty of a year it had been, usually Halloween was the day we we're gonna get our shit together. We were all gonna do it. Um, I also had a bunch of older brothers because I'm number six of eight. And oh, so like- shit, are you really? I was I'm the first girl not. too. Like wow. my youngest older brother is 11 years older than me. And then it's me, my little sister and my little brother. Um, wow. and, and so all the dudes were like, we watch horror movies. And I was like, anything you can do, I can do better. And so I, I was, I was barely able to read when I was like, they can watch scary stuff and I can't, is this sexism? Is it cause I'm a girl? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I finally wore my mother down and she was like, fine, but if you have nightmares, don't come crying to me. And I never had a nightmare, but I would hang out with Freddy Krueger at tea time. And I would hang out with Michael Myers. <laughs> Sweet. Um, and I started telling people what to watch and I started making lists of things I wanted to see back then and like I it was always sort of a constant because like no matter what was going on in my life I would put on like a nice little cute slasher and I would be compressed because watching people catch it at camp with a hatchet in the chest is just serotonin for me I don't know why um, <laughs> I <didn't> say fuck <laughs> I'm like, get him, Jason, get him. <laughs> Sick of Jay. <laughs> <laughs> and so whenever I blow up my life and start over, I'd like to have like a couple of days to just sit there and like rewatch some slashers I've seen so many times. I know them almost word for word and drink my drink and just be like, this is where I'm at now and this is where I live now. Um, which is why it's funny. It took me so long to figure out how to make that something that could actually earn an income with because it wasn't until the pandemic that like I was talking to my friend Trent who we used to watch horror movies in Warrensburg. We could drag him out to horror movies in my place. And I was like, why don't we do that on Zoom and put it on Anchor and see how that feels. And that's how we started our podcast, Nightmare on Fear Street. Um, and we thought like a few friends would listen to us. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't special. It's like two weirdos who like to drink and watch scary stuff on the internet. That's everybody. But like we started getting a following and I was like, oh, whoa, this is kind of cool. We have to like actually be professionals. We can just tell a bunch of in-jokes now and it's not just us and our friends. <laughs> um, but because that found some people who love it almost as much as I do, we were able to like start doing other stuff. So like now I can like pitch these like magazines I've been reading forever and I can like be here in Buddy Massacre because people know who I am. And I just like, who this rando? Who this chick? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I could talk to people about like genre and movies and I'm talking to like directors who I, I love their work and I'm learning out and talking to me and they know my name and wish me happy birthday and shit. It, it's been a wild three years and like, I don't want to be like, thanks COVID, but also, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I had a weird COVID blow up and I don't know if it's just cause I needed to sit down and stop. And really remember who I am and what I want out of life or what. But COVID was like, bitch, use in Indiana for a year. How you gonna make it bearable? And I was like, liquor and horror movies. 
<laughs> and then I get paid to do both. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Dread Central, tell us about the milestone that you about to hit. Yes. <laughs> Y'all, so I have written 98 articles as of today. Um, there's like five in the queue. But when I write two more, I will have my 100th article. And I started September 15th. So like that's that's bananas. I know this I bitch a is a beast. That yeah. is a fucking beast. Incredible. Thank you. It feels wild because like I, I always feel like I just started and like I'm still new. I don't know what I'm doing. But also apparently I do because I'm just like, hey, can I do this? And it's like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like working Tribeca for Dread Central, which is wild. It's just wild. I had you talk to me when I was a kid. I was as a kid, I wanted to go to festivals because I always had like an inner art kid in me. So I wanted to do Sunday in Tribeca. And because they were virtual because of COVID, I've gotten to do that. I got to do it once for Fear Street, and now I'm doing those for like Dread Central. And it's it's just while what can happen in three years when COVID makes you sit down and like ask yourself yeah. what serves you or what doesn't. Yeah. Facts. I definitely believe that you're at the point where like whenever you come out with an, a new article when, when Dread Central publishes something in, in your name, I think people listen because your name is on it. I really do at this point. Facts. And it's not even like oh, you, I think uh, I think a lot of writers um especially ones that i have uh, in my pocket like my mutuals mm -hmm. um kind of get stuck on the like the cash grab like the what do you call them clickbait yeah um, especially when you're talking about things in like fandom um people who are just kind of addicted to this content will just click so clickbait is like the obvious answer but i think people click for you i mean obviously you don't write clickbait articles i don't think you ever have in i don't know how no you know, <laughs> like, that might be in your future i don't know <laughs> 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 the price of food is going up and we will kinta brunson just publishes an episode on school shooting for abbott elementary right. Bye, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, I think people really appreciate your work. I appreciate your work. And for the type of shit that you write about, which sometimes, you know, people are scared to write about, I, I'm glad that people actually fucking read it because you just spit facts like constant, constantly. And I'm like, wow. Thank you. Oh, my God. This is a good topic. If you need to pick more of our topics, y'all, I'm going to cry a little bit. Oh. <laughs> No, but yeah, it, it's it's been wild. I can't. I I I again. I don't want to be like thanks COVID because COVID's real. We all have trauma and like a lot of people have suffered. Yeah. But like I think that there was something about a lot of us needing to just stop and reset because we got into the capitalism machine. Now I got to pay rent. I got to do this. I got to do this, and we forgot that like life is about more than that. If you're not happy, then are you living? And so. Uh -huh. And so COVID's like, well, now that I've shaken you um, by your shoulders, what you gonna do? You gonna go back to the way you were? Or you gonna do something different? If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, I got to co-sign what Zero said. Like, I appreciate your work and your contributions a lot as well. You inspire me a lot. And I really love the... It's like you love our genre, but you love it in a real way. You don't just stand for any foolishness. You say what needs to be said. And that's the only way that we're going to see a lot of the change that we ask for if people are actually bold and brave enough to say what needs to happen. And that's what I respect about you so very much. Thank you. <laughs> no, because like at the end of the day, we are all having these conversations because there's days where like I'll listen to like three of our podcasts in a row and all of us saying the same thing about a different movie or a different person, but it's the same damn thing. Yeah. And the only difference is I I lucked out and I'm getting paid for it, but there are no black horror critics that are paid. Um, I am I am one that I know of. I keep telling myself there's at least two more out there so I can sleep <laughs> at night, but like, who are they? <laughs> who are they? And so that that still needs to be addressed. Um, and that's a problem that's ongoing because like you can't just be like, well, so and so wrote a one off. Um, because all of us are capable of doing this. How many of us have podcasts? How many of us have YouTube channels? How many of us are on Twitch right now doing the same damn thing? And we just might like give us that funding so we can like dedicate more time to it. Yep. 
I feel like it's starting to happen too. I, I do think that when the pandemic like occurred, because that's around the same time that I started doing my stuff, like a lot of people found each other. Like that's how the the circle that we have right now got so tight because at that point we all saw each other. We were inside and we created like this horror family. It almost feels yeah. like, and we all just support each other and look out for one another. I remember my first few months on Fierce Street. I kept trying to find other like black horror podcasts, and like it was it was hard. It was hard um, because like we're we're not on networks. We're not getting funding, and so it's all word of mouth. And so like you have to keep doing your thing until they find you. <laughs> and then when y'all found me, I was like, oh my god, squad! <laughs> it's awesome. It's the best feeling in the world. It is. It is, which is why I'm telling people, just do what you do and people come to you if you're consistent and you're enjoying it. Thanks. I kind of wrote about that feeling a couple days ago on Twitter. Yeah. um, Which is something that I don't really do. I don't, I don't love being vulnerable on social media um, because I would like to be a role model someday. So I just think of myself as a role model now. And I don't like to put out things that are not a role model material. Um, I don't know. I just have this weird thing with like showing weakness, I guess. But like there was a tweet that went around um, and it said something along the lines of like, do you ever hear a song and know exactly what your life was like when that song came out and then i got like super emo about it like super fucking emo because the first song that popped into my head was all the stars by kendrick and and sizza off the black panther album and that was like easy easily like one of the best arcs of my life um and i i give that arc of my life like all of the props to this drive that I have now to do wherever the fuck this is, <laughs> I guess that I never knew that I really wanted. Um, but you know, like we were all there when Black Panther was on the horizon and we all just like got African. Listen, <laughs> like, listen. <laughs> it was crazy. And you know, everyone just kind of had this general understanding of nerd community, which I never really had and I I definitely grew up a hardcore nerd and it wasn't difficult for me to make friends like I, I had friends I, I was sitting at the nerd table like we were blasting panic at the disco and watching anime um but of course I was doing me black girl at the table um which never made me feel out of place but you kind of have that lingering thought that's in the back of your head and it wasn't until I found this immediate community that I'm like, yo, I was missing this the entire time. You know, it, it didn't make me depressed at night when I was in middle school, but now I have it. And I wish that I had that when I was in middle school. So I kind of have been chasing that high of like togetherness when Black Panther came out since when Black Panther came out. I remember going, I went to a private screening um, these these group of blurs that I found on like a Facebook group or like you know we rented out this this uh uh theater to watch the movie together everybody Sweet. showed up looking absolutely beautiful like yes. I don't know like the the market for dashikis like 
skyrocketed. <laughs> Everyone was wearing elaborate outfits, you know, um, taking pictures with each other. Like nobody was dapping each other up anymore. It was just Wakanda forever. That's it. Um, and that was just kind of like shared excellence. And then, you know, it really hits when you see like little kids or, you know, parents posting photos of their kids, like looking up to Chadwick and like that really hits because I wish that I had, I mean, I had Storm, but you know, you know, I, I read comics growing up and Holly Berry was not the Storm that I read in comics. So not exactly there, but everything yeah. else was kind of halfway. And then we kind of had this like full steam ahead and everyone was like about time. And then it, it made it much easier to, I, I guess, for lack of better terms, like find your tribe. And so I've been chasing that, like, yeah. since that moment. And I, I didn't realize it until that moment that that's what I wanted, to provide that feeling for others. Right? Because, like, I feel like a lot of us have been blurred since before we knew that there was a what phrase. was, absolutely. Yeah. We were just like these nerdy kids who were treated like we were weird because everybody else was like in the other steps going to be popular. And so like having that touchstone and having like an actual black lead superhero, which we had Blade, but like nobody talks about Blade nearly enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and so it's Blade and it's Black Panther. And that that's kind of it. Everybody else is like secondary or supporting or yeah. a sacrifice in the first five minutes for the white leads. And so, like, to have that touch, especially because that was a damn good year. That was the year of Beachella. That was the year of Dirty Computers. So Janelle Monet was coming on back with stuff. Um, Kendrick Lamar had just won. I forgot which big award it was. It was like, I'm said Pulitzer. It's huge. It was yeah. I'm about to say like a Pulitzer. I think it was a Pulitzer, a Nobel Peace Prize. That's what it was. That's what it I was. I think so. I'll just double check while you're talking. Keep going. Yeah. So it was just such a damn good year because, like, I I was still in Chicago working at Lyric Opera of Chicago, and it was awful. Um, I had my friends, but, like, the clientele, older, entitled, white, rich people who want to yell at you because they don't want to afford – they want to go to therapy. Pulitzer. It, it was Pulitzer. It was the Pulitzer? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it was, like, all these things and all this culture. And, yeah, granted, like, it's it, – white people are enjoying it, and they're, like, ruining it for you because they want to talk to you about it because you're the black person they see every day. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but I was like, you know what? I'm living my life. This is my Black Panther. Fuck you. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm gonna go see it again so I can cleanse my palate. What you just said, Judith. Um, and so <laughs> it was just such Judith. a damn good year. It was such a damn good year, and I'm happy we had it before COVID was like nobody's having fun anymore. For oh me. my God! Thank God! Thank God! It would not be the same. The way we stepped out, we really stepped out. Like everybody, it was like. Uh, uh, like somebody in our family had just graduated yeah. unless everyone needed to be at the graduation looking their best and you know that old chestnut i i feel like i feel like we all needed chadwick i think some of us mm -hmm. needed him forever and so when we finally got him he was fam he mm -hmm. was just fam like i took his death harder than taking deaths of some of the people i am related to um, i was not consolable for a couple days um, I, I still can't watch some of his last performances because it's just too soon. Yeah. And it, it makes me sad because, like, it, he doesn't have to be a unicorn. We just need people to, like, give black people chances. But yeah. the media won't. No. Yeah, it's rare that we have something of that scale happen for us. And to see that togetherness is, y'all are right. It was just a moment. It, it almost reminded me, like, where I was because the um, the first president I ever voted for was Obama. 
And I actually remember like seeing him on his campaign trail because he um, came close to where I was. And the, I mean, he, he was doing the thing, you know, like he was tight, but never in a million years would I imagine we'd actually end up with like a black president. And when it happened, I actually vi- like vividly remember just like the joy and the coming together of all the people that I was around when this happened. It's just, you never forget that feeling mm-hmm. and black, uh, Black Panther was one of those moments, too, for us, where right. you remember exactly where you were because it was just such a powerful moment in time. Mm-hmm. I would even say, like, I don't know if it was like this for you guys, too, but it kind of felt like that with Get Out, but it maybe oh, in, a, in a different... Yeah, okay. I think yeah. Get Out was a little bit more intersectional, though, Yeah, personally. I, I don't... I don't... I really don't know what the difference, like, why they were different... But when Get Out came out, I, I was also in the in the movie theater with white people, and it, it had the same effect on everybody. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't. I mean, it was definitely was a similar feeling. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I think it was because like maybe like Black Panther is like literally takes place in Africa. <laughs> I mean, it was, like, yeah, maybe yeah. Roots. I don't know, but. Yeah. I, I do think that Get Out was the start to, yeah. um, and I do I still like to, to the um, the term um, Jet Har. I think it was coined by our friend Prince at at uh, Nightlight Podcast. Um, I love that name. Yes, uh, like twenty Black Har from twenty ten to present, like this mm-hmm. new like boom that we've had as of recently that you know has fueled all of our fandoms even more. Um, that was one hundred percent the start of that that was the beginning and i think it gave us all a little bit more purpose and i think after that movie dropped and i i thought to myself and also us so that movie and then us had dropped a couple of years later and then i thought to myself i could i could really like go full steam ahead with with this because this is what i like but now there is very obviously a place for me so i could just dive all the way into that because before i was doing um, horror, sci-fi, and dark fantasy content. I was just yeah. some girl on the internet who cosplayed. Um, I I didn't. I never really like wanted this for myself. I guess. I mean, now I have it, and I know that this is what I need. But I didn't know that's what it was. I I I mean, my nerd journey started just through cosplay. Um, I went to New York Comic Con for the first time, in I think 2010 oh. or 10 or 11, one of those years, um, and at that time so for non-new yorkers for non-com people uh new york comic-con always falls on the weekend of the sunday in which the walking dead season starts Um, and so the walking dead has well one because of money and two earlier in fandom when the walking dead was huge um has had a chokehold on the new york comic-con con circuit and i remember that my first comic con i just you know a a friend of mine um was like hey i have an extra weekend pass you want to come along and i was like yeah i want to come along the only thing i knew about the con circuit was that people go and they dress up as their favorite character so i'm like okay bet and at that time um the sun that sunday um michonne's character was going to be premiered um in the amc live action um, she had already been existed in the comics, which I read first. So I was excited because now I get to see this like absolutely fucking goaded character finally bless 
the the live action fans eyeballs because before that she wasn't in the show we just got like i think it was a, a trailer and she's got the hood on and mm -hmm. she's got the swords and she's it's just like a silhouette you can't actually see denai guerrera um and i was just like oh i can't wait so i went to a local nursery um and i bought like i actually i don't think i bought them i think they just gave them to me like uh, burlap sacks that they were didn't need at the nursery and they gave them to me. I went home and then I hot glued them um, into a cape. <laughs> and then the morning of the con, I put on the cape. I got a plastic katana from Party City. And then I just like put flake blood all over me and then like rolled in the dirt a little bit. And then I went to the con. Totally mediocre cosplay. I can pull up a picture um, once we're done recording. Um, but it, yeah, it was, it was just bad. It was a bad cosplay. But I remember walking in the con and... I want to say seven, eight people were like, yo, it's Michonne. And I was like, oh my God, you guys know who I am. And then once we had this base interaction, oh, you're Michonne, even though I had this very crude costume on, now we're able to open up to have a discussion about fandom. And I thought to myself, wow, this is a really good way to meet other nerds. Because before that, I was just in high school and like, you know, I, I, how am I supposed to find the nerds? But this yeah. is like the best way to find the nerds specifically in your fandom. So I thought, oh, next year I'm going to do a cosplay from Resident Evil. And that way I'll be able to find all the Resident Evil heads. And that was my way of, you know, trying to wedge my way into fandom. Um, yes. But then cosplay got really burnt out for me. Um, I started to gain a lot of steam um, with some corporations who wanted to hire me to do like cosplay stuff. Um, and that just became my whole thing. And then I found it very draining because I wasn't doing cosplay to find friends anymore and and find people to have discussions on fandom. Mm -hmm. It was just like, I'm, I just need to cosplay to stay relevant, which is why I kind of fell out of love with it. Um, and then Get Out came and then Us came and I really found like, okay, I can I can really corner into this fandom and make this my whole thing. Because um, there, there's absolutely a place now, which is what made that that shift. So I had to do a complete rebrand, um, which sucked for maybe like two years, um, because most of my fan base were just people who were looking to see me in Skimpy costumes. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and so every time I would post a review about a movie, I would lose 10 followers. And then, you know, because just where is the cosplay? But this is what I really wanted to do. And I just, I knew that if I just was persistent at this, that I could push all those people out and then bring all the right people in who actually do want to have discussions about this fandom specifically. Um, and it was like, okay, it was fine. But Shuri, like you said, I really had the COVID blow up, which, which is what it was. Yeah. Um, and I think it was actually, it started because um, bloody disgusting. It was black history month uh, and bloody disgusting had tweeted something like, you know, if you're a black horror creator, like reply to this and we'll retweet as many of you as I can. And so I did that. And at, at the time I was still marketing myself as like micro influencer and cosplayer, whatever. I, I didn't know that I wanted the um, editorial side of me to kind of take front, but um, I did. And then they retweeted me. And then I think the first person I found was Prince. Um, and then I found Anya and Ivo Trees and and ryan and gray mark um xena 
a bunch of us. And then I was like, okay, I knew I was right. I absolutely <laughs> knew that I was right. And, you know, same thing as you, Sheree. Like, I was born at home during the quarantine. So what am yeah. I going to do? I'm going to drink hard seltzers every day. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to watch horror movies every day. And then, mm-hmm. you know, do a cute, spooky look. Maybe stream on Twitch a little bit. And I really, like, found my footing that way. Um, and then once Bloody Disgusting had retweeted me, I was, I had that like, aha moment, that like, okay, there are other people. I knew it was super hard to find them, but now at least I have this yeah. thread of retweets where I can find all these people, um, which is what urged me to start. I followed all of them. And then once I followed them, I would find more people. And I'm like, yo, okay, well, these people weren't retweeted, but they need to be seen somehow. I had a little bit of a following. So I thought, you know, maybe I can use this little platform that I have to put some other people on to just, you know, a little slightly bigger platform, Mm -hmm. which is why I started doing um, the five black car creators you should follow. Um, I I never meant for that to be a series um, or anything. I just was like, yo, these people are really cool. And I want the people that follow me because they like my stuff. I want all of you guys to follow them too because they deserve to be seen because they're awesome and not appreciated enough. Um, and then I kind of just snowballed into this addiction, I guess. I mean, I didn't have anything <laughs> to do at home anyway, so it was fine. Um, you know, I, I would follow these five people and then I follow those five people and then I would find five more people and then I'd have to do another one. And then I'd find another five people. I'd be like, yo, no way. I got to shout you out. Then I got to do it again. And then I made it all the way to 10. And I did make it to 10 probably only just like a couple months ago. Just because <laughs> my network kept growing like in the best way. Yeah. And it, it was slowly forming itself to feel more like that feeling that I had felt during Black Panther premiere. And I was just, again, I was, I was chasing that shit. I was like, let's, let's form a group. And then when this pandemic is over, we're going to all hang out and we're going to have the best nerdy discussion. And we're going to bring real life issues into fandom because we can digest them that way. And it was just like me going to Comic-Con for the first time and figuring out the way to find my people and just be nerdy and normal together. Um, and I obviously, I don't, I don't have the, well, not obviously, I don't have the time anymore to keep doing those shout outs, even though I'm still finding more people, but at least now I have a couple more connections and I'm able to put those people on the map in different ways. Um, honestly, like these two really crazy, smart, intelligent people, their names are Sheree the Slayer and Brother Bullet, DM me one day and they're like, yo, gravity, like we had this idea to like start a podcast. And I was like very humbled because these are like two of the smartest people on the internet that I know, no fucking cap, especially when it comes to the genre. So first I was like, mm, do I have time for this? And then the other side of me was like, mm, bitch, you better make time for this. <laughs> <laughs> and now here I am and I'm very happy with where I am. And uh, it's only up from here. And I think all of our people have like greatness ahead of them literally all of us you can look back on my entire list which made it to 50 black hard creators that you should follow plus maybe like 30 more of them just in my travels on the internet but we're an amazing group of people and um don't sleep because you're gonna miss something 100 percent. like i i talked to brian about it a lot but i feel like it's almost like we're all in school and we're all in like somebody's a class ahead of me somebody's a class behind me 
Mm-hmm. And like the gloves are coming for all of us. And so like, I love to see like black people who are in that class above me being like, guess what I did today? Guess what I got today? And I'm like, I yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Cause I'm, I'm like two classes behind you. And so I see you <laughs> for you. and also I'll be there soon. And so I just, I love it. It's the sense of community. It's the sense of family that we don't always get, especially I never went to high school, but I went to um, college and grad school. That shit's rough because you're usually one of few if you're not the only one. And so you're like, nobody ever gets you and you're kind of like left to your own devices. And so it's nice mm-hmm. to be like, let's all be nerds together. Let's mm-hmm. all learn out together. Um, I get so many recommendations of shit that I can't pronounce <laughs> from so many black people and I live. I'm like, I can't say it, but I'm ready to see it. Let's do it. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to animate tonight. Let's go. <laughs> the yeah. thing that I love about the black horror community is that I think we're all very aware that there's room for all of us. Mm-hmm. I think that like a really toxic phenomenon that goes on in the creator space is like fighting for opportunities, which I always thought was really stupid because there is there's room for everyone yeah. to do whatever they want to do. Like, n- not no one podcast can succeed. There's room for a thousand podcasts because everyone has something special and different. Nobody, none of us is doing the same thing, even though, you know, y'all have your own podcast that you do besides this one, but we're not competing with each other. There's room exactly. for everyone. And I think that the, the black car community is kind of like, I mean, I, I don't want to say the only, but one of the only in, in my experience of traveling through fandom groups of, of people that recognize that there's room for everyone and we mm-hmm. should be making room for everyone because honestly, that's what this society needs. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's why we just, mesh and it's never felt like a cutthroat kind of thing and that thing you said Sheree about like the classes like that's that's real I will ask you know I don't know anything about podcasts this is like my first (laughs) podcasting experience which is why I'm so grateful to have you guys with it uh, with me and so I can ask y'all for advice about podcasting and okay I don't really know how this works and then on the other hand like I love when when Kai FX when Kaiasia will call me and ask me for advice on social media stuff you know like how do I make a wish list like what should I be marketing myself as and we're all just able to share knowledge so we can you know, make more room at the table. Zena literally tweeted like two days ago, like mm-hmm. you don't want to be at their dusty table. No. I would like to sit at Zena's table. I know there's room for me at Zena's table. Literally. Or maybe I can have my own table and then we can have like a couple <laughs> chairs that combine the table. Shoot, hopefully she'll leave a little seat for Google because yeah, Zena yeah. is that girl. <laughs> we will make our own circle of many tables. Because I think that's just kind of how it works here. And mm-hmm. I love that because nobody is ever stepping on our toes. No, toes. no. Like I've, I've written it and I've said it before. I, I am my happiest when somebody's doing something similar to what I am doing. I am not bothered by people who on the surface like they're doing something similar to what I'm doing <clears throat> because I don't ever want to be the only one. Like we all grew up on um, Elm Street. If you got an Elm Street pun and you want to do a podcast, how can I support you if you black or brown? 
exactly. what I need to be doing. Do you want to be on the show? We'll make a room for you. We made room for 50 other people <laughs> this year. We can find a room for you to help you like get a little bit of fan base. Um, do you want to know where we get merch from? Like, because at the end of the day, you don't want to be in it alone because like any other fandom, this shit's hard. You have white men yelling at you because you dare to have an opinion or like they want to yell at you because this movie has too many black people, AKA two, so it's too woke. And so like, you almost That's need people harsh. in the trenches with you <laughs> because like you almost need somebody else to be like, I see this too. I, I see this too, you are not alone. Because like, I've definitely gotten into some situations and I've like text the squad and the group chat to be like, hey, this is what's happening. I did pop off, but also <laughs> like, <laughs> before I popped off, <laughs> y'all see what this is going on, right? And I'm like, yes, you should have popped off sooner. I'm like, thank you. I thought three tweets was big of me, growth. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. I definitely want to um go back to something you said, Zero, about you know the black uh people to follow in the horror space. That I feel like I thanked you for it, like in a DM. But since I'm talking to you in voice, I actually want to thank you again for that Same. because there are moments, kind of like bright lights on the horizon of like my movement through my space right and that was one of the biggest things that like i remember celebrating and being very happy about because i really admire what you do the same way that i love and admire what sheree does and when you gave me that spotlight for that moment with other people who i love and adore it in that moment felt like really i don't know like you don't expect people to do just selflessly kind things like that without some type of motivation or just to like try to get something out of you, but you're not like that. And I've only learned that more working with you because you've contacted me with so many opportunities like off top. And sometimes people don't know, like when I'm sitting on a panel or something where, you know, who gave me the opportunity, the answer has always been like zero Sheree girl, that's scary. And people in our circle, the way that y'all look out for me, like I would be a fake bitch if I was just not, real about it and just say that i really love and appreciate you guys like what we do is really helping a lot of people i feel like feel seen and also feel validated where in our own lives sometimes because we are kind of like spookier and on the fringe a bit we get used to being the only horror fan we get used to being the only person who goes up for some of these fandoms and we kind of lean into that but you come into this space and we see each other and i see you and it's like oh yeah okay all right i could do this <laughs> and I just I want that vibe forever. Like, if I could just live on that vibe for the rest of my life, it would be well worth it. And this is something that me and Sheree have also talked about recently too, because I I, I don't want to like take it from you if you were going to talk about it later. But the net will form, like when we were talking about that. But yeah, so go for thank, it. Thank you, Zero. Like, thank you. Yeah, I had no idea that we were going to start a podcast when I did all that. Imagine if it was in like my master plan, like hey, I'm gonna get this guy <laughs> and he's gonna he's gonna do all the editing. <laughs> <laughs> but I I just remember I just remember you were always part of it. Like even before we talked to you officially, it was like we need zero. Oh, yeah. Zero would do it because, like, I always assumed you had a podcast, and it was just like something that I was not hip enough to like be able to find. And so I was like, "Where's Zero's podcast? Where's oh Zero's God. podcast?" And that's Zero. not the first time. Right, I'm it's on the blockchain like, somewhere. Right? I'm like, like, before I'm like, we did this, I've guested on so many other people's podcasts, 
that like I'll host events here in the city and people will come up to me like, yo, I love your podcast. And I, I don't want to be like, bro, I don't have a podcast because I don't want to like trust the spirit or anything. Like a compliment to compliment, but like, like I, <laughs> I remember we had you on Fear Street for Sugar Heel and I was like, you really got no podcast? <laughs> that was the day it started noodling huh <laughs> right right and it's funny because like when you put that the energy and you talk to people because we can all just call people up be like hey you want to do this with us hey you think you'll be doing this with us and so like by the time we dropped our first episode your episode on my podcast is already out <laughs> and it's like i wish i could tell y'all i had a plan i wish i could tell y'all we had like a timeline and it's like okay we're gonna record now and then we're gonna drop it and then that'll happen but no i was like this is just this is how fast it work when we are left to our own devices and we have gatekeepers and shit because literally me and ryan had a conversation we dm'd you and two days later, we were having our first meeting to talk about the logistics of things. And that meeting was actually an episode. We could have recorded it. That's what was really fun. That's how I knew like this show was going to be turned up. Because that meeting was out of control. Listen. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> that um... meeting was out of control. <laughs> and we got work done at the same time. So yeah. it was still productive. But like, yeah, it was turned up. No. I, I just, I think that we are definitely in debt to COVID again. Um, mm -hmm. But it's showing us we don't need gatekeepers. The way things used to have to be done is not the way. Like in the olden times, you had to go to a studio and you had to be there together and you had to like coordinate schedules. We we are all on COVID or StreamYard or whatever. We're using Google Hangouts. Just, I'm always telling people, start a podcast, just start it. And if you like it and it yeah. fits, then you can put more money into it and you can figure out your own devices then. But if you have a device that records you, whether that's your phone or your computer, and you have an idea for a podcast, start doing the bitch. Start there <laughs> and go forward. Because a lot of people have a lot less, but they have resources. And that's why they're on the air and nobody listens to them. Oof. Mm. Oof. Huge oof. Oh, my God. <laughs> I only speak in strays. What? <laughs> That is my first language. English is a close second. <laughs> Sir Brother Ghoulish, what started you on the, the path of, of the ghoul? Actually, you know what? The first question I want to ask is how did you come up with Brother Ghoulish? Like the name? So it all you know what's weird? I came up with Brother Ghoulish, Brother Ghoulish's tomb, and the the I don't know what to call it, the opening I do where I'm like, Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Brother Ghoulish's Tomb, where it's all about the brains. I'm your host, Brother Ghoulish. And and like the this is a podcast for the undead, the those who simply refuse to die, like that old piece of my slogan. I came up with all of that in one sitting. Like I was actually sitting on the edge of the bed talking to Emilio because I've been floating this idea around for doing a horror podcast for a minute. But y'all know this because y'all see me outside of recordings, but I'm very random. Like I'm I just come up with like random ideas and just say the most random things. And I did that spill and Emilio turned around and he was, uh, and for everyone listening, Emilio's my fiance. He was like, wow, that was actually pretty good. Like you should write it down. I don't typically write my stuff down. I just like say shit and just keep moving. But I actually did write it down and I just leaned into it and just, I contacted um, people from Fiverr. <laughs> it was because I knew I couldn't make podcast art. I was like, can y'all make some podcast art for me? And the first one that came out, um, I don't want to disrespect the artist. Oh, <laughs> I don't want to say anything too rude, but it wasn't for me. Um, and so I paid her and, you know, just kept it moving because I didn't want to waste her time. I could tell just from how it came out, it wasn't going to go where I wanted it to go. 
and I went to a different creator and he did not just the podcast art, but he also, um, when I gave him the idea for my logo, which is the fork with the brain on it, he did that for me. And I came back to him a year and a half later when I did Brother Ghoulish's Dragula Breakdown. He did that art as well. And he's very professional. And that's why when people are thinking about creating a podcast, it's like anything in life, like no one's an island. You know, it's a community effort. Like if you feel like you want to create something and there are pieces in it that you're intimidated by, you can go to Canva and do it for free for one. Or if you have a little bit of extra money to spend, don't feel bad supporting other creatives in their endeavors um, creatively because it does help quite a bit. And so that's how I came up with like the idea of Brother Ghoulish. I just wanted something that had brother in it because I wanted it to feel like our culture on one end. And then ghoulish, I wanted something horror-based, but I also wanted to stress this idea that, you know, I'm kind of like bar... Because a ghoul is kind of a negative connotation if you really think about it, because you're preying on the dead, essentially. But you can also kind of like reclaim that and look at it as celebrating the stories of those who don't get their proper praise. You're actually taking these things and you're bringing them to the forefront like everything that I do is like a limerick. Like even with the, it's all about the brains. Technically that's zombies, but you, if you think about it, it's not just eating like flesh or eating brain. It's also like this eternal thirst for knowledge and, and information. So it's on both ends. And I, I do some stuff that's like, probably like very like, okay, what the hell is he doing all the time? But that's kind of just the way my brain works. Like, even as I'm telling this story, it comes out inconsequentially because my brain is just wired very, I see things in like bright colors and like, I see things in like big ideas. And so everything that I create, I actually have to sometimes stop and like create like these clean cut points to break it into packages that I can explain to people because not all of it should be made, (laughs) you know, like not all of it should happen, but just being an eternal creative has just always been a part of me, just like being a horror fan has. And the first time I could actually do that is when I did Brother Ghoulish's Tomb. That was the first time as a creative I could marry these two passions of mine that were just so random. Because my horror origin story really started with my parents who were horror people. And I mean, my my father more so than my mom. But, you know, she's still upset with my uh, my father for taking her to see the flying theaters. Like she brings it up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> not and, a bad one too that's that's a gross movie yeah. i i'm still salty they took zaddy jeff goldblum and made him gross and leaky but continue your story i'll build my trauma <laughs> on my own time i'm upset by that too because that man is like fine wine but Listen, um professional zaddy part-time actor Look, just please don't be problematic. Please, when we hit post on this episode, I just don't want anything to come out about this man. I've got but, theories and thoughts, but no receipts yet. So let's enjoy him while we can. <laughs> exactly. But uh, so grow- so when I first started doing Brother Ghoulish's Tomb, and I would start getting like on other people's things, and they would ask me about my first horror experiences, the answer kept changing because I literally kept re-remembering the things that I would sneak to watch or the things that I would watch with my father. And it just hit me that horror is just who I've always been. Like I literally used to sneak and watch stuff like um, Beyond Belief, Factor Fiction, uh, The Outer Limits. I would watch stuff like The Twilight Zone. And all of these were things that would come on late at night. And I would just creep up and watch them. 
And the first like horror movie that I like snuck to watch like fully, and everyone knows this, is Scream. And it literally like changed my life because I just fucked with it so hard. And I even took like the VHSs because I'm that old from my cousin Chris, and I still have them. She, I, I don't know if she knows I, I was supposed to give them back, but I actually held on to them and and watched the screams. And when I was with my father, it was a different experience because he liked stuff like Blackula, um, The Vampire Lovers. Um, my first Dracula was uh, Christopher Lee. Like that was really his vibe. Like anything vampires or you know, he also liked stuff like Devil's Advocate. And movies that are similar to that. And so all of that was just a part of the cultivating ground for me being into horror. And I was secretly reading books from Edgar Allan Poe. And I always had this fascination with the strange and the macabre. So I I read this. Uh, I used to read Nostradamus, for example, because I found it fascinating. I used to look up like unexplainable deaths and mysteries and stuff like I couldn't sleep for like several nights because I found a book in my school library. They should remove this thing, by the way, <laughs> that says if you get enough amount of, I can't remember, like something in your body that we naturally consume, you would spontaneously combust. Yo. And they had these like doctored photos of of like these feet where the the top of the body had blown off and like the ends of the ankles were blackened. What? And one of them was like a ballerina and they're like, she went into a pirouette and she just burst. And I <laughs> I just turned, I said, I can't do this. And Zero, when you bring up the, the book, Are You Afraid of the Dark? I mean, oh. um, it's a scary, scary stories on the dark. Sorry. That was also one of the books I really loved before it got banned from schools because, like you said, the art in it was actually very frightening for people. Yep. The pale lady, bro. Bruh, no. me Ty Doty Walker. No. <laughs> so it's it didn't, of course, like goosebumps. Of course. Um, I wasn't a fear street person. Um, but so sad. I know, I know, but I probably will go back because I own some of the Fear Streets, funnily enough. I own a few of them, but and I heard they're worth some money, some of them now, ever since the resurgence, by the way. I don't know if you heard that, if you still got your Ooh, I wonder how much my scary stories are worth. I have a tub full because I packed them already. Um, So, some like, just them, let me know. Look, I mean, get a quick coin. <laughs> I got some good memories, but I can have some good money, too. Um. <laughs> so, yeah, that's I mean, that's pretty much my horror origin story. It's, but obviously, as, as you hear the threads, so mine is kind of like married between two extremes because it's like this horror fandom or this love for the genre, but it's also my love for creating. And that's something that had been on pause for about 10 years because one thing that a lot of people don't know is that I had a career in IT and it was something I did for about seven or eight years. And the deeper in I went, I was making great money, but... I just wasn't happy, like flat out. And around the time that that was coming to an end, that was around the time that I did start talking more closely with Sheree and other people about this this process. So they know very well. I just I was really great at IT, but it just wasn't my vibe. I needed to create like I finished my first book when I was 19, 20 years old, and it was like 80,000 words. And um, it was a dark fantasy with a gay black lead which is kind of my signature for anything that I write at this point. And I tried to pitch it then. And I took the pile of rejection letters as like, okay, I don't belong in this space, obviously. But now that I'm older and I'm still getting rejection letters, <laughs> I just realized that that's not really a part of it. It's just, you just, you just fail. You know, you just get letters. Sometimes it doesn't fit the vision or it doesn't fit what the girls want at that moment. 
but there are other means. So even for the book I'm currently pitching, no matter how many times I get a no, it's coming some way or somehow mm -hmm. because you have to you have to continue to read and write in order to really define your voice and work on your craft. The moment that you just like boohoo and break down and cry about the fact that you're not getting these opportunities, you sell yourself short because that's literally the only way to grow. You have to put yourself out there. Facts. I, I kind of wonder, like, I really enjoy like hearing everybody's horror origin story. Um, I, I also, you just reminded me of, I think it was Jazz from Girl That's Scary. She told me that like her parents didn't give a fuck and would like take her to the theater to see, I don't remember what movie it was, but I just remember talking to Texas her about Chainsaw it. Texas Massacre and shit. I was just like, damn, like really? And I, I think where I uh, put myself in terms of my content is really more community forward than anything because that's what i that's what drives me is community and other people i'm 100 an extrovert um but i didn't get into horror like as the genre until high school or middle school late middle school yeah what yeah late middle school is when i got into the genre but i kind of wonder sometimes where i would be if i like grew up on this shit but I, I also don't really mind it because now I just have that much more to learn. I got, a, I got lots of material to catch up on, which can sometimes be stressful because there's also new great horror coming out now. Um, but the reason why I got into horror was just kind of out of desperation. I, um, I used to be like scared of everything. And I really love telling this story because, you know, you can start anywhere and I think this might also be where my uh, my um, strong feelings against gatekeeping and fandom come from. But I used to be like the biggest scaredy cat ever. Like, and and I love telling the story. I I was literally scared of public automatic flushing toilets. <laughs> I would not go to the bathroom if the public <laughs> toilet had the automatic flush thing. I just wouldn't. I would fucking hold it or I would squat and pee outside. I don't know what about it I was scared of, like flushing before I was done and I would get sucked up or something. I don't know. But it was like that my fear of life just had that strong of a chokehold on me. And I remember saying to myself one day, like, all right, this is absolutely pathetic. Like, you can't live the rest of your life being scared of automatic flushing toilets and other extremely irrational things. Um, and then I I mean, obviously, this is middle school logic talking, right? But I thought, you know, how do I not be scared of things anymore? Obviously, let me just look up on the internet because I was raised in the early 2000s, so I'm a child of the internet. Uh, the most disgusting, gross shit that I could ever find, and then hopefully that will help me build up my tolerance and then I could not be scared of life anymore. Um, and just like, Ryan, the way that you were reading fucked up shit, in your younger years, I was watching fucked up shit in my younger years. And I, I started out very extreme. Um, if you know the website rotten.com. Yes. Go to church. Go to Ooh, church. Oh, honey. Oh, my God. And that's where I started. Like, bathtub girl. 
yo, like I was watching executions like on this, like I don't think there was incognito tab at that time, but I, you know, as a late middle schooler, I did not need to be uh, subject to that, to that imagery. Um, but I was also a really big fan of anime back then, but I had this kind of secret love for horror manga because horror manga is just absolutely disgusting. That's when I discovered Junji Ito and I read all of his unpublished works um, like deep in Reddit. Um, and uh, yeah, I think horror manga is where kind of the beauty came out a little bit. And it wasn't just like, let me just subject myself to the most awful shit ever so I can build up a tolerance. Um, also, this was the time like human centipede, um, oh. the, the hills have eyes, like all those grosser, a little bit more graphic, uh, cheesy early 2000s horror was coming out. So that just kind of added to my roster. But then I actually found the beauty in it later. Um, I discovered the Walking Dead comic book series, which was just drama and and dark and beautiful and sad and like frustrating and and all these things can be shown to you in the mode that is horror. And so I guess I'm kind of glad that I was a pussy growing up because otherwise <laughs> I wouldn't have gotten here because um, my my parents are or my dad is huge nerd, but different fandoms. My father and I are different fandoms, but. I don't know. Something I think about often. I'm I'm very grateful for my uh, horror origin story, even though it's kind of a weird one. <laughs> I feel like that's what makes them fun is that all of us have such a different path to where how we got where we are. Um, because I mean, like a lot of us have things in common. Like a lot of us did the slippery slope from like R.L. Stein, I think Goosebumps or Fear Street to Stephen King to what have you. Um, but it's always different and it, it kind of always fits the person. And so like, I like hearing the stories. I like hearing the stories because it makes the person make sense. So that makes sense. Yeah. Sometimes I'm going to say sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Sense. <laughs> yeah. That's why I like hearing about the stories too. It does reveal more. And I think it also lets people feel seen because you never know where people are in their adventure as well. I feel like a lot of people who uh, listen to podcasts, they mm -hmm. debate on being content creators themselves. Yep. Most of them. Like I, so in my regular life, I'm also still a playwright sometimes. And so I'll visit schools virtually because COVID's real. Mm -hmm. um, and like the way kids light up when they ask like what I do aside from playwriting, like, well, I have a two podcast, well, three podcasts. And then they light up and they hear about this one. And then those like those little like ungrateful bitches follow this one and ignore the other ones. And I'm like, I see you. I see you. <laughs> Cause I'm like, ooh, black people, I'm like in the horror. I'm black. I want to hear about what they say. Like, I'm on all of them though, but okay. Okay, pick your favorites. Pick your fighter. <laughs> Choose your fighter. And that always sends me, it makes it gives me so much joy because like it's one thing to come in and be like, okay, y'all playwriting's hard, you're doing theater, blah, 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 blah. But to have them be like, but also you're a blurred. I want to know about other blurreds. I, I don't see no other blurreds here in this like awful town, I mean. And so it just, <laughs> it sparks joy. It makes it feel like all of the like sleepless nights and like anxieties and things are for something as opposed to me and my friends are kicking it and I'm getting drunk. It's like, no, it's actually a service too. <laughs> That's some real. Yeah. All right, everyone. So that was a bloody massacre. And we have revealed our horror origin stories to you. 
did you want to share something about yours? You can find us on social media at Blurdy Massacre. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, please take the time out to give us uh, some stars, preferably five, because we some five-star chicks. And say something nice about us, you know? We, we appreciate. And if you have an idea for a topic, like Anthony did for us, let us know so we can steal your ideas as well. We, thank you, Anthony. We, thank Thanks, you. Anthony. <laughs> and until next time, everyone, we'll see you. <laughs>